passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now I apologize for the drastic measures I have taken tonight, but you can't be too safe in a dangerous slum like Houston, Texas. Now, I need these measures not just to protect me from you people and whatever diseases you may all be carrying. I need these measures to protect me from that madman, Seth Rollins. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense that these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, welcome to Rewind to Raw. Where one day, Wei Ting and I sat down and said, wouldn't it be fun to watch Raw every Monday and then relive it with one another? That is the dilemma that we face tonight, but hopefully by the end of this, we will find a positive that came out of Monday night, December the 3rd. Not surprisingly, the anniversary of another wretched show called December to Dismember that the WWE threw their... ECW bootleg brand put out in 2006. So as a comparison point, that might have been a better show in 2006 than we watched on Monday night, but not to give away my true feelings on Raw. How are you, Way? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I do. I, I do vaguely remember uh, however long it was ago when you and I decided, you know, like you and I were doing a re- re- review away or retro review show. And we thought, you know what? We should be doing more. We should be reviewing every Raw. Yeah. We should. Why aren't we doing that? It's a weekly show. We can dedicate a week to watching this show. Yeah. I will say it's more productive because at least at that point, it was... We were still watching Raw every week. But yeah. I can't say I was taking a whole lot away from it. At least at least I have this. This is cathartic at the end of it. I suppose so. Yes, but I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think about Raw from back then and, and the quality of it. I don't know about you, but like these past couple of weeks, there has been a, a serious drop in quality, uh, I would say. These and, two weeks specific yeah. have been among the lowest level of Raws I have ever seen. And there's oftentimes you and I will, or at least one of us, maybe not even both of us agree. Sometimes we're, we have very different opinions on Raw. But then you'll see other people, and it's it's kind of a wash. Last week, I was stunned at how many people truly detested last week's Raw. That I knew it couldn't have just been me. And I don't want to be too sensationalistic with this comment. But there may have been zero segments I enjoyed on tonight's show. 
And I will go into this reevaluating all of these segments. But going uh, immediately out of this show way, I might not have enjoyed one segment on Raw. So that's what you're in store for over the next uh, hour and a half or however long we go. So for the, the, the negativity police out there, this is your drop-off point. I, I will not miss your download. You've already downloaded it. If you don't want to listen to the rest of this, this may not be uh, a chipper John Pollock. I don't know if there's much negativity police anymore. If anything, I notice more positivity police these days. People telling, telling me specifically that I'm too easy on this company. And I'm, I, 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 I'd like to ask you where and when I felt they that should... I was too easy on this company. I feel like I'm just fair. I, don't, I try not to be too hard nor too easy. But I'm, I, I'm just saying that negativity stuff, I don't even think that exists anymore. It's people criticizing us for being too positive now. <laughs> I don't know who those people are, to be honest, at know. least that have been listening over the last while. Last week was really notable because on our forum... We do our rating every week, and last week was an all-time low. A .83 was what all of our listeners voted last week's Raw on a scale of 0 to 10. I didn't think it could go any lower, but tonight, the board, the forum broke. (laughs) Raw broke our forum this week, way. I don't know if it was Raw, or I think it was just... There's something up with the forum today, unfortunately, so uh, I am quite disappointed that we won't get a number rating. I've had to resort to using Patreon to do a poll, and unfortunately, Patreon doesn't do numbered polls, so I had to resort back to the thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs middle, although it does offer us a, a different glimpse into, uh, I guess, our polling options because I also added a did not watch option there, so... Now, that'll be an interesting note to add Yeah, to find out, did anyone even watch this show? mm Way did you at least have an enjoyable weekend? I haven't spoken with you since uh, Thursday. I don't think. Yeah, I, I had a I had a pretty good weekend. Yeah, yeah. I I, I remember you uh, you had a bit of a rare vacation. One I had a twenty four hour vacation. Where did you go? Well, it was uh, me and my wife. It was our five year anniversary this weekend, so we went away to this. Uh, Congratulations! Thank you very much. It was uh, just outside of Cambridge uh, in Ontario that we went, uh, stayed at this uh, hotel. It was very nice. We were there. It was 24 hours and we were home. It was a very short uh, vacation, but uh, one night was, uh, was great. We went. I put my phone away on airplane mode for almost the entire time. It was I mean, wonderful. I kept getting texts from you. And I saw, I saw tweets from you at least for... For some portion within those 24 hours, but okay, hopefully you, you had some airplane mode time in there. Well, I, I, was, I said for most of the time. I, was, yeah. I still have to communicate, especially with you. I've got, I got to keep up to date on, on what is happening in the world. But it was largely uh, 24 hours that I unplugged. But it was a lot of fun. Very cool. enjoyable. Feel free to do that more often, I guess, whenever you have somebody look look after I might. Else. I might take a vacation next Monday at 8 p.m. Well, anytime but that. Well, no promises after tonight's show. Uh, anything to uh, get into before we discuss the news, Mr. Ting? Um, uh, do you want to do stuff that's coming up this week? Yes, we should. I think we should talk about our stuff first. Let's yes. be a little selfish here. You know what? Uh, first of all, let's 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 do the contest because we almost forgot last week. 
Uh, we give a, a combo pack, a t-shirt, a postcard, and stickers away every single week to a very lucky patron. Uh, as a big thank you to anybody who uh, supports this show and helps makes it make post-wrestling possible. So this week, John, I'm about to scroll through. You tell me when. Are you scrolling? I'm scrolling. Just say it. One, two, three, gas mask. Congratulations, David Lang. David Lang. Yeah, you got it, David Lang. He David was my guest, too. Yeah, David Lang. All right. Uh, yeah. So what, what is he walking home with? He's got a post-wrestling combo pack, which consists of a t-shirt, a signed postcard, which uh, will be very valuable very, very, very soon, I'm sure. And then uh, post-wrestling stickers, of course, all from store.postwrestling.com, where if you are a patron... David Lang among them, or any of the others uh, on this list, you can enjoy 20% off the entire month of December off of everything at the Post Wrestling Store, including some new toques that we just released. Toques. The toques look wonderful. I have one. I wear it religiously already over the last week since you gave me one. I love it. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm really happy with the way they came out. Uh, Yeah, embroidered toques. You can have the John Pollock version or... The puffy he- uh, puff, puffy ball version that I don't think John would ever wear. Well, you can uh, go check that out at store.postwrestling.com if you want to get one of these uh, fancy new toques. Uh, we have some great designs up there. So uh, there's also a sale going on. If you are a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe throughout the entire month of December, 20% off. Yeah, I just said that, but it's okay. You can repeat it as many times as you want. That's how marketing works way. Repetition. Repetition. Because for the month of December, if you are a Patreon subscriber, it's 20% off. It's basically $5 a shirt. So if you are thinking of signing up anyway, you might as well, or or if you're thinking of buying a shirt anyway, you might as well just sign up for like a dollar this month, basically. So this week at Post Wrestling, a lot of shows as usual, we've got... For the free feed out there, we have Rewind to SmackDown coming out on Tuesday. We'll have Up Next coming out on Thursday. And then Eggshells on Saturday with Chris Charlton joined by a huge guest. One that it's not every day that Chris can land such a guest. He's going to be chatting 2013 Wrestle Kingdom 7 with one of the most esteemed guests he has ever had on Eggshells, John Pollock. We'll be stopping by Eggshells on Saturday. Wow. This is, that's a must listen. It's huge. How did he get that guy? That guy barely answers like uh, my emails. Well, I'll tell you what. He didn't send me uh, a message on our Facebook group because those messages don't typically get to us. You have to yeah. go direct to us. Yeah. We'll get to Facebook messages like maybe once every two months. So I'm yes. sorry if, if you guys uh, do do that. But but Twitter, I would say, like, you know, we, we respond quickly to as well as the message board. What's the most intrusive way someone gets a hold of you? Like, do you ever get a text message and you feel an urgency that uh, I've got I can't ignore this? An email I can put off, but a text message, it's kind of if someone's asking you for something. Yeah, yeah. Um, Typically, like if somebody's texting me, I kind of know who they are. So it's it's not I don't find it all that obtrusive. I would say. A knock on the door, an unwanted knock on the door might be somewhat obtrusive. <laughs> that would be awesome if someone knocked on the door to invite you on the onto their podcast. Yeah. But right uh, then and there. 
I feel like with most most of these things, you can just you can answer it. Like even text, I I could text you. You can answer me like in, in the next day. I don't even care. You know, you answer at your own leisure. How about you? I feel uh, it, it depends on the person. With you, I, I feel that we have that kind of relaxed relationship where if you don't get back to me immediately, I don't really care, and I hope vice versa. But I, then there's some who will text you a question, and it's like ah. Uh, when John and I text, I find like um, there's a lot of pressure to like deliver a strong zinger, and therefore <laughs> yeah, that's on you, dude. That's on you because no. you always are the more clever one. That's not true. Not I've, always. I've actually gone to reply to you and then stopped, and I'm like, <laughs> I'll do this in an hour or so. I just don't. I don't have something good. See, no, we're both like that. So like, we'll <laughs> often just have like like if you look at our chat history, it could be very sparse, and that's because like we'll often just drop off. If one of us doesn't have a better comeback, so, um, so there's no there's no ways to text with John and I. There's no simple like LOL, haha, <laughs> you know. See, I I feel it's more on you because sometimes I'll have like some news item I've got or something, and I send it to you, and then you are the one that has to come back with something witty. But I think you have, I I read all of your texts with like like a witty kind of disp- disposition, so I. I think that you you get a boost just because your voice is in my head and you're you're a witty person. Well, likewise. How interesting. Well, maybe Great. I will start doing. Let, that. Let's try. Uh-huh. Let's let's not try so hard then. Yeah, uh, I'm just kind of going back through some of our old, uh, more more recent texts. The very lately, it's been very all business, very businessy. Yes. Um, okay, that's not. Though fun. I think you have a thing on your text of late where you've been like double texting me. Like, I get the same really? word twice. Yeah, it happened. Oh, uh, I got a double cool here. Well, maybe okay. I just... Maybe it's not as prevalent yeah, as, okay. I'm, as I'm scanning through here. All right. I know everyone cares about okay, this. Quickly, uh, our post-wrestling uh, cafe, it's always packed. Lots of content, guys. Tuesday night, we dropped the double shot where Wayne and I go through all the excess stuff that we have accrued over the past seven days that we're just going to regurgitate and send back to you and say, hey, this is what we watched and this is what we thought of it. Um, Without giving away any uh, spoilers, Way, did you get to see the big Total Divas season finale? Yes, I did. Yes, All right. I'm looking forward to your review of that. Uh, It's a big one. I bet it is. It's, you know, it's it's, the Divas are finally, uh, have finally reached money in the bank. It's Nia versus Ronda. Uh, And of course, uh, I mean, you know, the whole episode is really centered around Natalia. And uh, Jim Neidhart. So, yeah, we'll be talking about that. And I have no idea what I'm going to be talking about, to be quite honest with you. I'm going to try and watch the Edge and Christian show because we had a fun time chatting about that last week. And maybe some... I, I don't know what else. We'll, we'll find out. That's the joy of tuning into the double shot. You'll figure it out once you tune in, what we're discussing. Then we've got Thursday, the Cafe Hangout, live, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, for our Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members. Uh, no guests this week. We're going to be going through whatever news items there are, and we're hoping that we will get some calls in on Thursday. I'm looking forward to chatting with the people so Way can expect your living situation and comment on the air. Yeah, I love doing that. That's my favorite part is to get to see the rooms of all the people that, that call in because these are video chats. So um, clean up. And then Friday, Rewind Away returns. This week we are ch- uh, chatting about SummerSlam 2013, 
headlined by John Cena and Daniel Bryan and CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar from the Staples Center in L.A. Uh, this was the choice of Espresso executive producer Jay Scaife, who will be, I believe, joining us on Friday. And then the, the week winds out with, uh, winds out, winds up, winds down with a UFC 231 post show on Saturday night. That'll be a free show. And Sunday, we're doing a bonus show. We are going to review the final day of New Japan's World Tag League Final, which is going to feature uh, not just the commentary of Kevin Kelly with Excalibur. We will have the finals of the tournament. Kota Ibushi versus Hiroki Goto for the Never Openweight title. The Young Bucks have announced that they're going to be on that show on Sunday. So probably some news coming out of that as they... Uh, pretty much put the final touches on the card for Wrestle Kingdom coming out of Saturday or Sunday, I should say. Yeah. The last big show ahead of Wrestle Kingdom. So, um, check that out. Patreon.com slash post wrestling. Yes. And the UFC is in town this week. Way a Toronto fight week. Mm-hmm. So yeah. who knows what will be, uh, what you and I will be doing. Are we you going? Out. No, I am not going. Just so you'd be watching at home or you're not even just going as a spectator. No, not my thing. I'll be watching it at home. Got it. Cool. Yes. So Saturday night, I'll be spending it with you folks. So you can tune in and uh, we will go through what is a, should be a very good card. Max Holloway and Brian Ortega, which uh, we'll see if it happens because uh, Max Holloway has had many, many health problems this year, but he is scheduled to fight for the first time in a year on Saturday night, defending his featherweight title. Quick news items. Let's uh, go through this quickly. Uh, this was announced over the weekend that the WWE has swapped nights for TakeOver and the Hall of Fame. TakeOver, with the tickets going on sale this Friday, is now going to be airing on the Friday night of WrestleMania weekend. Hall of Fame is going back to Saturday night, so we are not going to get the TakeOver head-to-head competition with the ROH New Japan card at Madison Square Garden. Do you like this move, Way? For my own selfish reasons, yeah, because I want to see TakeOver and I want to see the MSG show. Unfortunately... I also want to see Joey Janela's Spring Break and the Penis Party. I want to see all of that. And so those two things now are going to go up against TakeOver, aren't they? Yes, they are, which our good friend Todd Martin, I was talking to him over the weekend, and he was telling me how, man, getting, because we were all going to, the three of us were going to go to Spring Break, and tickets were all gone instantly. We didn't get tickets for them. So Todd messaged me, and he's like, man, we really caught the break by spring break being sold out because now takeovers on the Friday night. Unfortunately, that double-edged sword nailed me because I bought tickets to the penis party. For all three of us? No, just for him. Oh, okay. So we are, we are in the clear <laughs> that we are probably going to go to takeover over the penis party. Well, you know that what would he... be my guess. Unless you want to split up way and I'll go to takeover. <laughs> well, he's going he's gonna to have a great time, I'm sure, either way. Uh, I, I definitely would, I think, prefer... The takeover, the penis party might be might be a, a, a watch on the eye pay per view after, but mm-hmm. um, I I mean I think it's a very notable story, you know, um, and I think the it remains to be seen what exactly the reason is, um, are they? Yeah, afraid? I know I know that you know everyone's happy that it's not going head to head with ROH and New Japan, but I I do not believe for the life of me that the WWE did this as you know this uh, oh of course this not. nice gesture. Um, and I don't think that it has anything to do with uh, any concern of going head-to-head with the Garden Show. 
I think TakeOver is going to sell out. I think it's going to do tremendously well, regardless of what night it was going to be in. That is going to be one of the big, big events of the weekend. So don't you I think don't know. Would, I mean, don't you think it would have sold out even if it was Saturday going up? Head-to-head? I did. I did. I yeah. didn't think there would be any problem with them filling the Barclays Center on the Saturday night, even going against the Madison Square Garden show. So completely. Why the, so why the change? I don't know. I don't know what the reason is. If I If I find out, I will certainly alert everybody. But yeah, it's... I mean, from a selfish standpoint, yeah, those are two shows I want to go to, and it looks like I can now. And even if you are going to Joey Janela's spring break, TakeOver should be done in time that you can make it out to Joey Janela's spring break, which will be at midnight on the Friday night. But it is all the way out in Jersey City, so it's a yeah. bit of a trek to go from Brooklyn. Thing is, I Joey Janela's spring break, even if you're a little late, the thing's going to go to three or four in the morning, probably. Yeah. I would say it's great for the people that are just watching at home. You know, you, you turn yes. off TakeOver, and, like, I think Janela's uh, spring break, it, it, it works as a great after show, like a late night after show anyway. So uh, that'll be a good time that week. But, um, I mean, I kind of feel bad for the Hall of Fame. It feels like less and less each year we're, we're, we're anticipating, you know, what, what's about to take place. Well, I think it ultimately, that is the the show that is most contingent on the lineup of, mm-hmm. and, and how much the speeches are a big draw to people. Like, that's something, I mean, I'll go out of my way to watch the Hall of Fame. Is it something I need to go to live to see them speak in person? Not really. That's no. uh, That's an easy network watch. That, uh, it's, a, it's, a, know, it's an easy podcast, honestly. Yeah. I'll put yeah. it on, like, probably in the morning as I, like, brush my teeth. Well, I hope they learn from this past year, and it's not some ungodly four and a half, five hour deal like it was. Like less inductees and keep it to you know two and a half hours. That's tops. For the talent's sake, I feel like they will be pretty strict on on times. You know, just because the talent has to perform the next day. Mm-hmm. And I used to be the opposite. I used to always I hated it when the USA Network would air the one hour edited feed that night so they'd cut everyone's speeches down they even like had clocks for everybody and i just hated it it was just like let these people speak and put the whole thing up but wrestlemania week is just so different now there's so many different options that i mean you, you want to catch as much as you can but i i don't think you can pe- take people's time for granted when you know they'll check in on something but one of the big appeals of all these other smaller shows is that they keep their events pretty compact like two and a half hours is the typical runtime unless you're uh, a a show that can command more of people's attention like a spring break i would say like even access this year is something i think probably worth going to considering the lineup of talent that they have that'll probably be performing there yeah i mean next year Again, we we talk about SmackDown being live on the Friday night, and who knows how they'll switch all of that up. I think a year from now, it would make all the sense in the world that you'd have a, an NXT UK show as well, beyond just those guys being at Access. I think they can definitely do their own show next year by the time you have who knows how much talent there, and yeah. that they're on the, the network for another year. Uh, that, to me, seems like another WWE event they can stage. Absolutely. What do you think is the ceiling on, on like, in terms of attendance for for a show like that? Could it draw as much as a regular takeover? Not today, but you've also got the bump of it being WrestleMania week, where you are starved, or at least you have an audience that's willing to spend, especially on WWE wrestling. That if you're doing a show with with Pete Dunne, with Tyler Bate, with all those guys, Walter, 
Yeah. Um, if you had Walter this year doing an NXT UK show, that show would do very well. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think you, I, I'm not saying a Barclay Center or anything like that, but the idea of doing six to 7,000, I think is very reasonable. I think they could do that mm-hmm. th- this year coming up if they were to mm-hmm. put a Walter on there along with the, the other uh, members that they have. So I, I think it could do very well. Maybe I'm underselling it. Maybe it could do eight, eight or 9,000. I mean, a lot of those names, I, I would say, are the names that, you know, uh, like really lit up the indie scene in previous WrestleMania. So um, they're all more famous now. Um, I mean, either way, I, th- I think it'd be a really great showcase for that talent. Also over the weekend, it was reported that uh, PCO and Brody King have been signed by Ring of Honor. And uh, PCO has had to uh, withdraw from his appearance for MLW next week. They're doing Thursday and Friday night in Miami. And PCO was supposed to be doing a Falls Count Anywhere match with uh, uh, L.A. Park. And so he's off of that show on the Thursday night, which, uh, I mean, in in the one hand, yes, MLW is probably considered a competitor to Ring of Honor. And they're on television. I also can understand from Ring of Honor's side that... They're spending a lot of money, which PCO has kind of revealed. This is the most lucrative deal he has ever signed that ROH probably they want to debut this guy at final battle and being in Miami the night before. I'm certain that they would be concerned, like if there's any kind of snowstorm or anything, we don't want to risk this guy missing final battle on Friday night. So I can understand Mm -hmm. why they have made that that move. Uh, I've also looked into uh, whether or not he'll be appearing. He's supposed to be here that Sunday for smash wrestling. And it's kind of up in the air right now. Um, PCO isn't aware yet. If he's going to be on the show on that Sunday, he's hoping he'll know by Tuesday if he's doing that show, but that is his schedule that weekend uh, to appear in Toronto. But uh, nevertheless, two, two additional signings by ROH. And I think the bigger story here way is that it seems that ROH definitely has a budget to go out and sign a lot of guys. And Joe Coff also did an interview this week with uh, wrestling Inc and it was the most definitive he has come out and stated that he does not believe Cody, the Bucks, and Hangman Page are sticking around. So that's going to free up money for them. But it seems pretty much set now that they are they are gone from Ring of Honor. I mean, I think it's about time that we've seen some big moves from Ring of Honor. Um, and I think this is, you know, a sign outside of the Joe Cobb comment that, you know, they're very much aware that uh, their company is in a transitional phase and that they need to, you know rebrand in in a, in a big way you know by by bringing in the talent that people talk about on the indie scene i mean i think it's all well and good to kind of like you know uh foster the people that they have um but i for for a long time now it feels like the people outside of the bucks and cody and maybe the new japan talent it feels like the people that you know wrestling fans are talking about are independent wrestlers that aren't with ring of honor um, so I'm glad that they are picking up some of the people that the indie fans are talking about in a PCO and a Brody King. I think those are perfect, perfect signings for uh, ring of honor. Cause I don't think the WWE would ever touch a PCO in particular. So, um, yeah, makes total sense. I think. Yeah. P- uh, their handling of PCO is going to be a test because I don't look at PCO as a weekly character. He's a special attraction that I, I think you have to be smart in how you utilize him and that he's, you know, he's just outstanding personality. And a lot of it has been those videos. Like, that's a well, part you you can't lose. That's what I feel should be weekly. It's just him with, with Destro, you know, doing something crazy. 
And that's that's your TV show. Uh, but like he's kind of like an Undertaker character. I mean, not the same, you know, apples to apples, but kind of in its its presentation mm-hmm. that it's very much, um, you know, and Destro is his Paul Bearer. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think he's a great get for like your your typical, you know, pay-per-view. Uh, I guess, you know, it, it remains to be seen because I think both are great signings. But if they are losing the Bucks and Cody and Paige and Squirrel, uh, they're going to have to Squirrel's do a lot around. More. Squirrel's there for a year. For one more year. Okay. Well, uh, but I still feel like they're going to have to do a whole lot more. Yeah, and, you know, NXT is trying to sign up a lot of talent. You have All Elite Wrestling that is appearing to try and get off the ground. That's another player in the mix. And now ROH wanting to spend money. And there's there's going to be companies out there that are going to be, you know, seeking out new talent and not everybody is going to benefit from all of this. I'm very curious to see how MLW goes through all of this, this rating of talent. And it's an arms race amongst these companies and where a PWG is going to fit in the mix. Um, You know, your super indies like AAW as well. Uh, These are all companies that, I mean, they're vying for a lot of the same names. And I see this moving towards all the major talent that you know their names of are going to be locked down to contracts and you're not going to be able to see the flexibility that many of them have enjoyed on the independent scene because I think you're going to want them locked up to exclusive deals and it looks like ROH is willing to pay for that exclusivity. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, we also know that ROH is willing to work with other companies, you know, so... um well, they have their their New Japan and CMLL relationships, and the New mm-hmm. Japan one is certainly an intriguing one. If if All Elite does get off the ground, where is New Japan going to do their U.S. business with? Is mm-hmm. it going to be with Ring of Honor, who they've had a pretty successful relationship with for years, or are they going to look at the the power players that are Cody, the Bucks, and by extension Kenny Omega and Hangman Page as I'm- well, and they want to switch allegiances? That's a that's a real possibility. I'm just like thinking about what a Hiroshi Tanahashi versus PCO match is going to look like. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Who knows? Could be, could be possible if that continues. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, New Japan has announced uh, their major dates to start off the year. Uh, they've got their annual Fantastica Mania show that's going to be going down in January, from January 11th until the 21st. Then they've got three new beginning cards. They're going to be running in Sapporo on February 2nd and February the 3rd. Then they've got the new beginning in Osaka the following Monday, the 11th. They have announced the two Honor Rising events that they've been doing each year at Core uh, Kuen Hall on February 22nd and 23rd. The New Japan Cup tournament runs from March 8th until March 24th. And I'm curious how they do it this year, because in years past, it's been the winner gets a title shot at Sakura Genesis, which they have not announced the date for. And it's kind of tough to do a big sumo hall show when you have that Madison Square Garden event happening April 7th. I Mm. mean, on on the one hand, it might make more sense that the winner of the tournament should get a title shot at Madison Square Garden, that you could set that up. But um, yeah, they Mm. haven't announced Sakura Genesis yet, and that's going to be... If they are doing that show, it's going to be kind of either a week before or a week after Madison Square Garden, most likely. Yeah, that's right. But if you remember, like even this year, they had, you know, around that same time, a big show in California that they yep. had to do or like the week before Mania, wasn't it? So 
Um, That's right. With uh, with Zack Sabre Jr. and Okada. And they did that great run for Zack during the New Japan Cup. But that, that's kind of their new business now is cr- cramming a lot of shows into a small amount of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with the with the you know New Japan World giving a reason for people to watch every single one of those shows, even the smaller ones, seems to be what what they're trying to do. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a great value. But again, I would say for much of these undercards, you you might not need to watch. And the two final notes: uh, Rev Pro announced that February the fifteenth at York Hall in London, Pac is going to be taking on Will Osprey. And Rev Pro announced this was their fastest sellout in the history of the company running your call. Wow. And that to me way is going to be one of the most anticipated matches of 2019. Certainly. Yeah. I could imagine to get tickets to go watch that live. I mean, that, that is a show I would travel significant distances to see for the, uh, with those two. I think it's going to be what an unbelievable atmosphere that's going to be. Do you have any idea like what, what capacity it might be? Oh, at your call. It's like a yeah. thousand. I'm, I'm guessing. 12, okay. Google, uh, whatever Google says about twelve hundred. Okay, interesting. Okay. Uh, well, I mean that's that's fantastic, and I think you know, like Neville being on the indie scene, it's like it's a name like Will Osprey that I think everybody salivates over. You know, like I'm trying to think of another pairing that would be just as interesting, but that that might be at the top of the list. And the final note here, Jake Hager, the former Jack Swagger, is going to debut for Bellator on January the twenty sixth. The same night as the takeover, Royal Rumble weekend, uh, he's going to be taking on uh, a one-on-one fighter by the name of J.W. Kaiser, a man who will be 40 years old by the time that fight happens. He has a one-on-one record. So Jake Hager had signed a year ago, and for most of the year, he's done pro wrestling, but he is going to do a camp for this and fight in January. Uh, that weekend, by the way, is nuts. There is a big UFC pay-per-view. There's a big Bellator show. Takeover, the Rumble. That's just going to be a weekend of utter insanity. That seems like a typical weekend, isn't doesn't it? By oh, this point. It's going to be a very busy one. What, yeah. What's your uh, what's your interest level in Jake uh, Jack Swagger fighting? Is it pretty minimal? I don't sense this one garnering a whole lot of buzz. Yeah, no, I'm. I, I can't say. I'm, you know, I'm not going to make much effort to watch it uh, on the day of. It's more of a, hey, how did he do the next day? You know, that I would ask somebody, or I'd, most likely I would probably find out via Twitter. Um, but I, I, I mean, I am kind of curious, you know, to see what what he actually has um, in terms of a real fighting um, ability. You know, how much is amateur? I imagine he'll use his wrestling a lot. Amateur wrestling, I mean. Um, but beyond that. I don't know. Good for I'll him. give them credit. They they see a value in this guy, and they're not throwing him a Mickey Gall level opponent. They're sending mm-hmm. him a guy that I mean, if he can't beat this guy, he probably should not be pursuing heavyweight fighting. This is his debut fight, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, he shouldn't really be facing anybody with any type of record. I mean, I thought Mickey Gall was probably way too skilled in hindsight for CM Punk. I mean, obviously yeah. he was, but even just on paper, you know, way too difficult of a matchup. Even, mm-hmm. yeah, so. Yeah. All right, so let's get into Raw. Monday hey, night. by the way, the year-end awards are open. Oh, of course, yes. If you go to postwrestling.com, you can look at the fancy buttons on top, and there at the far right, our button to go click on the voting right now for our best of and worst of awards. All yep. of the categories are up, and you can submit your uh, selections right now. Yeah, and if you're on mobile, just hit the little, like, three... Like the the three stripes, not our three stripes, but the other three stripes. 
You know what I mean? The drop down. The drop down thing. Yes. Best of will be out December 21st. Worst of December the 28th. Myself, Waiting, Braden Harrington, and Davey Portman will comprise the panel. And I know I have gotten some feedback from people. Where are the MMA categories? Well, fret not. There will be an MMA award show, and I have assembled my own panel. So that is still to be Whoa, announced. really? I have, yes. I did some busy uh, scheduling over the weekend way. So oh, I will, man. I, I look will forward to that. that. I look yes. forward to that. Yes. Looking forward to all of that. It's a lot of year-end stuff, and I know some people are like, oh, it's all the all these lists. Well, I love lists. They're my favorite. So get ready. It's going to be a packed, packed season at Post Wrestling as we wrap up 2018. Are you ready? Are you strapped in, Way, for Raw in Houston? Strapped, yes. From the Toyota Center. The show started with JoJo asking everyone to stand, and they held a 10-bell salute for George Herbert Walker Bush, who died over the weekend, and they were in Houston, where uh, where George Bush Sr. lived. And, you know, this was a guy that actually was a very big follower of pro wrestling. And I think given that they were in the city of Houston, uh, probably, I, I don't know if they would have done this if they were in another city, for instance. Maybe right. they would have. But I, I think given where they were, uh, it was probably a, a classy thing to do while you're in Houston. Yeah, I do think so. You know, because I'm trying to think back if they would have done this for any of the other presidents uh, that passed, you know, in the in the 2000s. I want to say when Ronald Reagan died that they made mention of it, but definitely not a 10-bell salute. Mm. They've definitely never done a 10-bell salute for, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a president that's passed away or a – like, I, I can't recall any 10-bell salutes for anyone, but – active wrestlers on the mm-hmm. roster or, you know, for, for a legend like a Dusty or Roddy Piper. But given the timing and given the location, I think, you yep. know, it was a, I thought, you know, a, a really solid call for that live audience. The show proper started with Ronda Rousey coming out and they were going to go right to the tag match that they had promoted all weekend with Rousey and Natalia against Nia Jax and Tamina. But the riot squad came out before allowing the heels to attack from behind and Natalia gets taken out by the riot squad. Ronda fights them off and then goes to tend to her. And there was a super kick by Ruby before Ronda could stop it. And they powerbomb Natalia through a table onto the floor and Ronda then cleared the way and Natalia was destroyed and thus we did not get a match to start off the show mm-hmm yeah yeah um i, I mean think, it was I think this was just our way to tease something big right away and hopefully people would stick around oh i wanted to see this so badly i'll wait three hours mm-hmm yeah i i think you know the de- the beatdown was was decent but man like throughout this entire run with natalia it's just been her getting beaten up with with really I don't even recall like if she got any type of comeuppance on the on the ride squad I don't recall it but I've just I feel like this entire like month I've just seen Natalia cry I'm not talking about total defense I'm, talking, I'm just talking about like this angle it's just been her suffering so well she got um, the win over Ruby a few weeks ago which I thought was the end of this remember they just did the blow off match on TV no and she, I she don't beat remember her. at all but okay um she got one okay. moment of happiness and it was very rare that's why i noted it but then we seemed right back to the the riot squad feud here gotcha okay so we're reigniting things 
Rhonda was with Natalia backstage. She's holding her side. They were in desperate need of a trainer. And it was like Rhonda read my mind because then she screamed for help. And Rhonda just had her death stare on as she was just staring into oblivion. Alexa came out and promised to work hard every week on the women's division. So we're going to try this open forum again. And then I knew what kind of raw we were in store for. This was our first awful segment of the night. This is the form that I wish actually went down. Oh, Sasha and Baylor are out. Bailey asks, so Alexa, when are Mickey and Alicia and Dana going to jump us? And Alexa apologizes that that happened last week. And then we go to the fan questions. One fan asked about the social media comments out there that Sasha is using Bailey. And Sasha pretended that she and her plot had been outed, but then she just laughed about how they had a fun weekend together in Texas. They were asked about their dream match, which would be against Trish and Lita at WrestleMania. Bailey was asked if you had a superpower, what would it be? And she said to make people disappear, which is the superpower I wanted at that exact moment. And she wanted to start with Alexa Bliss. And this was presented like it was this big diss on Alexa. The audience hated this. They even started a Becky chant. And then Alexa totally threw Sasha off by asking, well, what about the superpower you want? And Sasha had this blank stare and just said, no, I just agree with her. So her superpower should be improvisation. (laughs) And then they were asked, what changes would you make to the women's division? Which I swear to God, they were asked last week. But this week, Bailey had a new answer. And it was what we both suggested that they were going to go with last week and didn't. And that was the two of them becoming the women's tag champions. So if anything, this segment at least uh, produced the fact that that seems to be the confirmation that these tag titles are coming at some time in the near future. To me, I thought, I mean, I thought that was the whole point of this. I thought that that was the whole point of the thing last week. And if that... You had to go through two segments to get to this this one line. But I mean, why did we even have to go through this at all? Like, if it's just to tease the tag team titles, was there no more creative way to deliver those messages than these very awkwardly performed fan Q&As? You know? Like, I'm just trying to think, like, this was what they had to do, and this is the way they got there. And I just question why. Like, of all the things that you could do to... To announce these tag team titles, who would out there would have thought about, hey, let's have a fan Q&A session. Yeah, I just watched this and I go back to every couple of times a year when the UFC brings all their big fights together for a big press conference and it just turns into everyone cutting promos on each other. And these and I'm not even talking about when Connor's involved, just you know, rank and file guys And it always produces these great promos. And these are from fighters that are not trained to be doing this stuff. And yet I watch the pro wrestling version where these should be super entertaining. And these should be performers that are just able to ad lib and play off each other and turn stuff into an entertaining segment. And this was watching paint dry in a painful manner. This was paint that was dripping red. Like red blood. paint. Yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, in, 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 a, in an MMA context, I think, you know, those fighters are typically, they typically only have one thing 
on their minds and one thing to talk about. They actually have a storyline. They have a feud going on. They know who they're about to fight. And they probably, you know, have a million things to say about that opponent. Like, Bailey and Sasha here, they don't have a real storyline. Like, they don't really have opponents. So, um, I mean, they're also not there to even improvise. So, uh, it's no, it's, they're here to it's act. very different. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. not good. Dana, Mickey, and Alicia Fox ran down. Bliss stopped them before they could run in to make a tag match. And she said, Dana, you can stick around and watch ringside. I mean, so why did Alicia and Mickey and Dana run out? Just to attack them? I guess so. This didn't prove to be some master plan by Alexa either. Mm-hmm. The heels lost. Last they week weren't, it made They sense. didn't have the numbers advantage. <laughs> no, last week it made sense if, like, you know, Alexa's whole thing was to, to drag Bailey and Sasha out here so that they could be blindsided by her henchmen. But, yeah, like, that was the... That was the conclusion you made, that this was a plot by Alexa, who's full of shit to Sasha and Bailey's face. But, but this wh- week, th- there was no underhanded tactics. She evened out the numbers. Yeah, and well, so why did Alicia and Mickey and Dana run out? I have no reason to give you. So all this leads into a tag team match. It's somehow supposed to make us want to see this tag team match. There are no stakes involved in the winner. No grudge is really sol- solved here. Um, but, but we got know, Dana's wrestling. big promo to explain the turn, though. What? What? What did she say? She didn't speak. Yeah. There was a bank statement to Fox. Mickey made the save. Bailey came in with a Bailey to belly that Michael Cole did not recognize, and then Mickey's DDT to Banks is blocked. Backstabber Bailey to belly. Bailey pins Mickey four sixteen, and Alexa's just applauding. Hmm. Well, I mean, all the, all the uh, whatever, all the GMs are supposed to show some neutrality on the surface. No, so. I not on this show, not on Raw. There's no neutrality from the general manager. Baron was trying to show some on the surface, right? I don't know if he executed neutrality on this show. Okay, whatever. The match was just, uh, you know, it was a match. Like, it felt like a house show match that just happened to happen because it needed to, the show needed, you know, a certain amount of wrestling on top of it. Just very standard Raw stuff, I think. Pushing Bailey and Sasha as a tag team. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do tag team titles, and you, obviously they're the, the best choices. But my question is, you know, who the opponents are. Um, and also, man, I just hope for a better creative way to get there than what we had here. These open forums have been terrible. Maybe that's how they'll establish a tournament is all of the women have to come out and answer questions. And the best question answerers will be placed into a tournament where they'll, no, they'll debate they'll, for the titles. They should be made the champs. <laughs> Michael Cole announces that Dean Ambrose has been inoculated following last week's vaccination. I give the man credit for what he can say with a straight face. Mm. The inoculation of Dean Ambrose. Then we got a close-up of a man no one has ever seen in their life, Morgan Waller, a country music singer who is going to be the special musical guest at Tribute to the Troops. When's that show? It's being taped tomorrow. And do you know when it is? Uh, It's probably later this month. They haven't announced the air date yet. All right, cool. I won't be watching it. Alexa Bliss is backstage, and Rousey confronted her about the Riot Squad's actions. Alexa says she has sent them home and will address their actions next week. Rousey wants to get her hands on Nia and Tamina, 
and Alexa is willing to find her a new partner, but Rousey doesn't trust her and is going to find a partner on her own. We went into a Baron Corbin feature, the star of Raw, and his rise to power. And they plugged the TLC match with Braun under the assumption that it's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was when I was 30 minutes behind the live uh, feed for Raw, and I started seeing people tweet, Terrible things about this show, including cancel Raw. And that's very demoralizing. Was that a mod? It was, it was a mod, yes. Oh, of course. Uh, and did you see that, or were you just guessing of all no, the people to no, say I that? No, I actually saw it. Okay. So I was pretty defeated at this point, knowing what is still to come, and wondering, oh my goodness. This Come on, next week, please tweet how much you love Raw, so that maybe you don't ruin John's viewing about it. Yeah. I've given up now that I follow him, unfortunately. Baron was backstage. Gable and Rude want a rematch with uh, AOP for the tag titles. And they want to get their hands on Drake Maverick after he pissed on Bobby Rude's robe, although that was never said. I don't think they even showed a replay of it, to be honest. I hope that means that they're just as embarrassed about it as I think we all were for watching it. Well, we know that's not the reason. Um, <laughs> well, this, we actually went a week without a piss. How about that? You know, that's true. We didn't have any references to the peeing. So I, I, I'm not giving them any benefit of the doubt because we always, always, always look stupid by the next week. Right. Like, yeah. like next week, he's going to like, oh, he's going to defec- he's going to defecate on it. <laughs> Maybe he'll have like a big he'll drive a big piss truck out like Steve Austin and just shoot. God, he urine. Drake Maverick's totally getting put in a one of those porta potties. And getting it tipped over, like Kevin Owens had with the the blue gunk all over him. I feel like you only have one of those, like within a you know one year period. It's you, it, you you got to pace out your your fecal matter angles. Yeah, yeah. Corbin says they're owed nothing, and he agrees. He's going to give them another match if Bobby Roode can beat Drake Maverick tonight, and Gable and AOP are banned from ringside. They both assume this is a catch. And they are proven right. Lucha House Party is out, followed by The Revival. And Scott Dawson cut a promo on the rules of tag team wrestling and said that those Halloween masks are hiding. He went to go say those ugly faces, but he said it so quickly. He said those Halloween masks are hiding those ugly feces. Damn, wow. Maybe he got his scripts mixed up. Yeah, he got Drake Maverick's uh, copy. Dawson says he's going to teach them a lesson in a one-on-one singles match and led to JoJo announcing this match is under Lucha House Party rules, so the revival throws a fit. It's a, for all the people complaining about illogical three-on-two advantages for the babyfaces, this week you get a three-on-one match for the babyfaces. Yeah. At this point, I think, you know, the announcement of the Lucha House rules is supposed to elicit a big reaction from this audience. And I mean, this week, if I recall, it did receive a bit of a reaction, you know, when because it helps that the revival sell it as though they're being told that like their jobs are on the line. Well, that's exactly it. Like it's all up to Dawson selling of of the announcement. Um, But when it comes down to the matches themselves, uh, the crowd continues to like ooh and offer the spots because they're very impressive Lucha spots. But I don't get a sense at all that this audience ever really is cheering on, you know, the baby faces to win. These don't even feel like wrestling matches to me. They feel like an exhibition of spots that I just, 
I don't even watch this. As a, I don't even think my enjoyment of this is as a wrestling match. I just watch the Lucha House Party do fun spots, and that's enough for me. And that could be. I mean, if you if you would gladly tune into this show to watch that exhibition, then you know that's there's value in that. Would you? Nope. nope. Uh, but for two minutes and thirty seven seconds, um, this was two and a half minutes. Uh, two and a half of maybe the better minutes of Raw. I would love to watch like a man juggling chainsaws for two minutes. I would too. Yeah, sure. Maybe it will happen. Yeah. Dawson applied the gory special to Lince Dorado, started the Lucha chant, and then Dorado did a sunset flip, escaping out of that. Metalik was in, which led to a super kick from Dorado to take out Wilder on the floor. Kalisto did this uh, springboard somersault to the floor onto Wilder. Salida Del Sol to Dawson, Metalik with the Swanton, and they pinned Scott Dawson in two minutes and 37 seconds. Mm-hmm, yeah, so um, I think this continues, you know? Um... I don't know if these are supposed to be anything more than, you know, just kind of mid-card, like, entertaining, you know, uh, uh, exhibition segments, like you said. I mean, I think they could always be better, of course. I think they'd be better if, like, you know, the Revival had a bit more heat attached to them. Like, if it was truly an evil person getting beaten up by three men, I think this audience would cheer a whole lot more. But um, the Revival are just kind of like, they're not really that hateable, in my opinion. I know we're breaking from the format here, but can I read you a quick uh, piece of feedback on Raw? Sure. The absolute worst Raw I have ever seen. Baron Corbin needs to go. Horrible promos, horrible wrestling. It just sucks. The show is hard to watch. Full of filling crap. Except Elias and Finn Balor and Ziggler. They are misused and abused. Great talent, totally unappreciated. Oh, and fire the camera guys for showing all the empty seats in Houston Arena embarrassing road warrior animal huh he wrote that <laughs> yes joe laurinitis yes joe laurinitis oh okay um did you think it was worse than last week oh god way um no last week's was worse but i i refuse to make this week's seem like any kind of positive yeah yeah last week's was worse but this week's was like the second worst of the year yeah, okay. All right, let's keep going. Uh, yeah, we got to move on to Drew McIntyre Appreciation Night. First, we had a SmackDown promo. On Tuesday night, contract signing for the women's TLC match, and Daniel Bryan will be on Miz TV. Corbin is in the ring, and he goes over his accolades. He's going to become the permanent GM, and then he runs a video for Drew. And they announce Drew McIntyre taking on Finn Balor at TLC. McIntyre comes out and he's presented with Raw's gold medal of excellence. Drew cuts a promo that he came here to stamp out the weakness and eradicate complacency. And he said when he arrived, talent was playing video games and just happy to collect a paycheck. They were busy retweeting compliments from fans. But thankfully, Baron, we've eliminated all compliments sent to this show. <laughs> he decided to reform Raw in his image. And then he was interrupted by Dolph Ziggler, who brought up their alliance. He said, I was the brains. And Dolph was not invited to this appreciation night. Drew cuts a promo on Ziggler saying, no, you weren't invited. You don't meet the height requirement. 
Drew was the brains, the muscle, the talent, and the whole damn package. Drew went on to say that the business relationship does not work for him anymore. He used Dolph to get to a prominent position and asks Dolph, are you going to cry? Drew says he was the reason that Dolph became relevant for the first time in 10 years. And then Dolph attacked Drew, hit him with the zigzag, and Baron made a match between them. So, to recap, this alliance that has been lasting months ended in minutes. Dolph is a babyface, and their first match is coming up after a commercial break. Yeah. That's not not, at, not even at TLC. Next. Yeah, I know. Well, I mean, they don't see Dolph Ziggler, I guess, as a big enough deal to, to do a match with Drew, Drew McIntyre. It's really, it is unfortunate because two partners fighting each other for the first time should be a pretty dramatic match, at least being built up to, you know, next week's TV. But this ended up just feeling like any other Raw match, unfortunately. This would be like Marty coming back after the break, dusting the glass out of his face, and then he pins Shawn Michaels. Well, I don't think they were as over as the the Rockers, but... um, they definitely had some potential, you know. They like they they had a pretty good year, I would say. The two of them had a bit of a, a real resurgence for Dolph Ziggler, uh, but I mean to see it just kind of end like this for Dolph, kind of kind of sucks for him. Way they broke up because Dolph wasn't invited to an in-ring promo segment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the breakup. It's it, it's it's very lame. Yeah. So they had a match. Dolph Ziggler was, he was like just another baby face, but two minutes into this match, like there was, there was nothing for this turn to, uh, propel him forward, to give him anything. Just thought, what a, what a waste of a turn this was. Drew is beating him down on the floor. Well, let's be honest though, man. Like, even if the turn was amazing, it's still Dolph Ziggler turning. So either way, I think it would people would have rolled their eyes. I just see turns should be, they should help somebody in the short term. And with Dolph, this is not going to help him at all. And he didn't even get a momentary bit of momentum from this crowd Mm. or anyone. Like seeing someone in a new light, it should be refreshing. It should be like, it's a totally different character direction. And this, this meant nothing because there was no reason to care. They broke up over an invite Mm, right. Well, they get... Yeah, okay. Yeah, please continue the match. McIntyre's in control. Finn Balor walks out, and Corey Graves confirms that that is the real Finn Balor. Alabama slam is delivered to Ziggler. Then Ziggler stopped a superplex. Renee says that Drew McIntyre losing on his appreciation night would tarnish so much of what he has accomplished. Why? Why would it uh, tarnish... So much of what he has accomplished. Well, um... Would it erase all his wins? Would it matter next week? You would lose the respect of the locker room, and they would start playing video games again. Okay, so we believe that he has shut down all of that... Yeah, he's... All of that video game play that's going on. He has down-downed, up-up-down-down. That's right, yeah. He has, um... Taken all of their power cords, like your dad used to do. The highlight of this babyface turn was a four-second Let's Go Ziggler chant that quickly ended. The referee starts dealing with Ziggler after 
Drew sent him into the referee. Balor hits a running drop kick on the floor, and Drew McIntyre had to do the most comical selling on the floor until getting in the ring at the last second, is hit with a super kick, and Dolph Ziggler pins Drew McIntyre that they state is the first time he's been pinned or submitted on Raw. Has he lost at all since his return? No. Yeah. Not, is, not on TV. Yeah, this was like, I mean, and I think maybe that's what's even more perplexing about this whole thing was that... um the match didn't feel like it was a big deal at all. I actually found the match quite boring and I'm, I'm surprised because I feel like this was, you know, two characters that were involved with each other for a long time. And they're actually two very good wrestlers, but I thought the match was boring. They didn't make you want to see this match. It was a very flat match. The Mm. crowd didn't seem all that into it either. They weren't anticipating it. And I was just perplexed by the ending. This match isn't big enough for them to build it up even for a week. And it was enough that they had Ziggler go over. So yeah. I just thought it was, I just thought both guys end up hurt by this. I think the turn's bad for Ziggler and now you've beaten Drew and this is building to a Finn Balor match at the end yeah. of it all. I think if you're going to give anybody the win, it should have been Finn, right? Uh, that rhymes. And, uh, you know, I don't know, but this is how they choose to build to their matches is by having the guy lose to somebody else. I don't like it. Like, Drew has been a break from their 50-50 style of booking. He beats everybody. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you're, you're beating him. And f- and for what reason? Like, there's certainly a ceiling to Dolph Ziggler as a babyface. And I know they are very low on babyfaces, so maybe they felt they, they had to give him something here. But The reason is, m- is, is they want to pin the loss on Finn Balor. Um, well, that's it. They transferred all of that to it was Finn that gets the credit for this. And Dolph was just the beneficiary of Finn's interference behind the referee's back. Uh, but I hate that type of thinking. You know, I feel because like no one gets over from it. I it's just like, it drags everyone down, in my opinion. I mean, I feel like the person who gets their hand hand raised in the end should be the, the person that that gets pushed. Um. And here, like in scenarios like this, Dolph Ziggler were supposed to treat as an afterthought. Charlie was with Drew backstage. He said Ziggler was never his friend. He was an asset. Now he's an enemy. Drew's more dangerous than ever. He attached himself to Drew like a parasite. He said about climbing the mountain, I am the damn mountain. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe that's going to be his new catchphrase instead of being the game. I am the mountain. I am the mountain. I am the mountain. You know, he said, I mean, I, th- I think his promo is still very strong, you know, like um, uh, I think he's got a real presence about him. And I think when he has to like deliver that that angry promo, he sounds very good at it. So I think he is a great choice for that top spot. And he said, Balor is a marked man. Elias was in the ring. There will be no more hiding at TLC. He's got a match with Bobby Lashley. Yeah. Leo Rush interrupted him with Lashley, who started posing. And then he did his favorite pose, bending over, as Renee said, to show off his best asset. There's no person in the world that I feel could come up with that and think it was a good idea. So much so that, like, he would do it, like, he's he's still doing this, like, three, four, five weeks in. Um, but there's nobody in the world I, I, I feel would come up with that idea other than Vince McMahon, who 
who must think this is the best thing. Ah, ha, ha. Bend over. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, man. The best part of this was Elias's reaction to Lashley's pose. He threw his stool across the ring. He was so angry at the pose that he stormed up the ramp. Like, in what era, in what time, in what country would this have been an actual insult? Never, no time, and no place. I'm very curious to know, like, what Vince's references are, you know? Like, was he, did somebody point their ass at him when he was, like, in high school and he, he, he was so insulted by that that he never let that down? And he decided to give it to one of his top heels here? Or what? But, like, who in 2018 would think of something like that as, like, a hot thing to do? This is gonna, yeah, this is really gonna, you know, make people hate him. My mind drifted during this show, and I started wondering, what would this show look like if Vince McMahon was actively on Twitter? Uh, what do you mean? Oh, like, he, he if he read tweets? If he was immersed with Twitter and people's comments and reacting. Because on the one hand, I look at it that he would probably at least have a minimal advancement in terms of having a read of the audience. It probably wouldn't be a very positive impression he would have of the people. I think we'd get some insane shows as a result of his reaction because he's very thin-skinned. But I think he would also have a better sense of his audience as well, as opposed to being completely cut off. Mm. I don't know if it's a positive or a negative, but I'm watching the one example of what show we're getting. So I can't think it would be worse. And I think selfishly, like remember when the XFL was falling apart and he was going on TV like a madman. He's making like Trish bark like a dog. Like he was just out of his goddamn mind. So I think we would get shows like that. I mean, we're, ta- we're talking about a guy who barely even listens to the audience that attends his show and is incredibly vocal about what they like or what they don't like. So something tells me that um, Vince will probably only follow the people that probably echo him. Yeah, it would be an interesting study if he was given a, a new phone and shown how to use it. Anyway, Elias Elias leaves the ring to go confront Lashley in person, up front, and Lashley just beats the shit out of this guy. Real, real valiant babyface here. He did make his comeback and sent Lashley into the LED screen and chased him away with a guitar. Then Leo suddenly is tossed onto the stage. We don't know what has happened, and it's revealed that Finn Balor tossed Leo Rush onto the stage at Elias. He just so showed up out of nowhere. Finn Balor was booking all of his programs for the next three months on this show. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, nice of him to, to stick around. Jinder Mahal is with Baron Corbin. He's back to doing the Shanti character, which I could have sworn they were moving away from. Oh, no. Like on, on the Mixed Match Challenge, it's still his thing. Well, he wants to take care of Finn Balor tonight. Yeah. He brings up. Braun showing up at TLC. Corbin says it's just rumors because Braun is a one-armed man. So it seems to be 
they seem pretty confident that Braun is going to be at TLC. Mm. And then Rhino and Heath Slater walk in. Baron's been crunching some numbers, and there's only room for one of them on Raw. So he asks if one of them wants to quit. They don't. So they're going to have a match tonight, and the winner will save their job. Yeah. I thought that was, this was the most invested I was all evening. Yeah. I mean, you were going to get a really big payoff to this. Bobby Roode and Drake Maverick was supposed to happen. Maverick is scared as he comes out. He tosses his flak jacket at Bobby Roode. And we cut to the back, and AOP is attacking Chad Gable, where Baron Corbin gets involved. This was Baron's uh, 48th appearance in two weeks on the show. And he decides it's going to be a three-on-two match, and the match has begun. So Gable and AOP are inserted. Rude is sent into the post. Gable eventually comes down. They get hit with the super collider. Drake tags in, and he pins Bobby Rude at 332. I thought everything actually worked really well all the way up until Gable made his big big entrance. I, I mean, you know, the, the heel manager thing or the heel GM thing is such a cliche by this point, but I thought this was like good execution of that cliche where you have, you know, uh, what what feels like incredible odds in the babyface's favor turn out to be a swerve. And when this was the, the opposite of the Lucha House Party. Yeah. The moment Gable came out, like beaten up after suffering that beating backstage, he like to me looked like a real great underdog about to come in and save his his partner. And then he just comes in, eats the team's finisher, and Rude loses anyway. So I don't I don't know why they had Gable come out. Like if Rude was gonna lose anyway, why not just pin Rude in the handicap situation? You save Gable. Instead you had Gable come out, you had to beat the shit out of him too, and then lay both of them lying. And I I mean, whatever. Like, they, they love their baby faces, seemingly. Um, the idea was that Drake Maverick is is, is overmatched against Bobby. Like, he's the, he's the geek manager that's of no value. Yeah. And the team just lost to AOP. They lost this match that they're trying to get a rematch from. Why, why should they get a rematch? They won't. Well, great. Awesome. I love this story. Right. These baby faces suck. Yeah, they suck, man. They've had they can't win. They get their clothes pissed on. Um, I I really felt like after all that piss play, they needed to get the upper hand rooting Gable this week, and it was just another week of of heat building. You know what makes them even worse, baby faces, is that last week Bobby Roode gets his robe pissed upon. The week before, here's Drake Maverick in catering. And who's there laughing uproariously uh, that you're in trouble? It's Rude and Gable laughing at this little guy for pissing his pants. Who's not rooting for Drake Maverick to get his revenge the next week? If you were to show this to any person, who are they rooting for in all of this? The big jock with his, with his goddamn robe? Or... 120-pound Drake Maverick, who was able to outsmart these two jocks. Hmm. After they bullied him as baby faces in that catering segment. They could, if you were to watch that catering segment to a non-viewer and tell me who's the bad guy here and who are the assholes. And then I'm telling you, oh, Drake Maverick's the asshole. And these two 
these two monsters that are towering over this little guy, they're the baby faces you're rooting for. In our world, Biff Tannen is the baby face. <laughs> That's true. That's a different way of looking at it. Yeah. So anybody who gets made fun of for peeing themselves, just hire two Big Ben to beat up your uh, people that insult you. <laughs> he pissed his pants, little bitch. We got a recap of Dean's vaccination promo. Just going to go down as one of the best this year. John Cena is receiving the Muhammad Ali Legacy Award. And then the arena was engulfed with sirens. And I thought that Batman had taken over this Toyota Center. All these men came out wearing gas masks, followed by Bane, Dean Ambrose, yeah. who comes out with the his own gas mask. Because you see, these people smell. Yeah. And they're gross. And Dean needs protection from these people. But then, in a moment that is second only to when Kane used to have to use the voice box to communicate, Dean starts cutting his promo while wearing the gas mask. Yeah. This was... I thought I thought he wasn't going to remove it, and this would be the new way he would speak to us. <laughs> yeah. It'll make them so mad. Oh. Yeah. I divert to my Vince voice because I'm trying to make rationalizations of these decisions, and I come back to one man that just must think that he's putting together his, his Emmy reel for next year with these shows. So he cut this promo. He finally removes the mask. He says he was attacked by Seth Rollins unprovoked. The people are needy and emotional, just like Seth Rollins. And all of these people were always coming up to him to get a photo of Dean so that they could get some excitement into their miserable lives. Hmm. Do you know what it's like to live with someone that always has to be in control? I thought they were going to cut to Renee, but he was talking about Seth, who apparently these two are roommates now. He says, everyone knows someone like that. You might be sitting next to them and you should slap that person in the mouth, but you won't because you have weak character. They did start chanting for Rollins. Ambrose says life sucks and you don't always get what you want. And he started speaking so quickly that he called himself the constant but he said it so quickly that it sounded like he called himself a C word that you would not be saying on the USA Network at 10 p.m. Hmm. He says he's the moral compass of WWE. He then <laughs> he started to rag on the school system in Houston. Uh, what, before we get to Rollins, what did you think of Dean Ambrose here? I, I thought it was, I, this guy's lost me already that I don't think I can even decipher if he's cutting a. Uh, a fine promo or not. I think he's just too lost. And I think he's just going for the most cheapest of heel tactics that it's not working for me, but, or did you have a different opinion? No, I didn't. I I don't know at which point they decided, Hey, like, let's take this very personal feud between Dean, Dean Ambrose and, you know, Seth Rollins and include this germaphobe angle, um, to it. It's where so weird. He's like, not only is he, um, you know, like, he's also not really just focused on Seth Rollins. He decided to, like, involve so much of the audience in it. 
And I understand that's, you know, what heels do, but it also feels incredibly generic, especially for a feud like this one. You already had, you know, uh, uh, your, your rivalry per going on, a very personal rivalry. So I don't know why the decision to all of a sudden go so hard on the audience. And I certainly don't know the idea about why they're going so hard on the germs, on the smells, on the vaccines. Like this, I felt like was a slam dunk, you know? Like, this was the shield. This is the breakup of the shield. This is Dean, Dean Ambrose's heel turn. Like, how could you how could you mess this up? And I guess, like, I don't know, man. Like, this was like when, when they had Brett versus Vince and they decided to involve Bret Hart's car accident in the buildup to it. It was just like, put the pen down, you know? Put the pen down and just let the, let the shit speak for itself. They're, they're certainly overriding this. Do you realize that if this was in 2000 and Vince Russo was writing this, do you know what this would be building to? A gas match? Bro, we are going to put these two into a building that is doused with gasoline. They are going to fight over a box of matches in the first ever Burn It down match i mean of all the like of all the the gimmicks that i i think you could come up, up with out of this angle that's not even the worst like imagine like a vaccine match oh where the loser is infected with rabies yeah you gotta you have to uh so the the needle dean ambrose on. has to ride like the public subway system or Ooh. something so yeah. like the needles are on a pole, right? You gotta you gotta grab the the needles. Syringe on a pole, not yeah. even an original. Sure. What? That's happening. They did they did that. Remember? Oh wait, I'm thinking that I, I'm not really down on my WCW 2000 history. I want to believe that there was a syringe on a pole match at some point. Kidding me? Syringe on a pole. I feel like I'm positive about this. Buff Bagwell was in it, I think. Okay. Well, you guys let it. Um... Let us know, everybody. Uh, Brian, paging Brian and Nate. Please okay. let us know. Um, anyway, the ideas you uh, for for the, for the stipulations for this thing could be wild, but um, you've introduced a, a, quite a few elements into this. Yes, I'm 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 going to find this out. We had a Viagra on a pole match. I remember that one. <laughs> I, I'm on. Uh, I'm on what culture's oh. top ten on a poles match? There was a stick ball on a pole match between uh, Big Vito. And I think Johnny the Bull. Uh, next, we had the leather jacket on a pole match with Tank Abbott and Big Al. Then we had a pipe on a pole match with Sting and Steiner. I think this all was in 2002. Crowbar and Ming, a steel chair on a pole match. Number six was another crowbar on a pole match with DDP and David Flair. That was at Starcade. Then we go. Come on, let's get into the ridiculous ones. <laughs> this is... That was only six. Number five. Oh, this is all of WCW history. Coal Miner's glove match from Halloween Havoc 1992 with Sting and Jake Roberts. Then, okay, this was the Viagra on a pole match between... Who was in this match? Do you remember who was in the Viagra on a pole match? Wait, any remember, guesses? I don't remember any. Oh, man. Um, Probably uh, Hulk Hogan. Shane Douglas and Billy Kidman. Oh, Silver King versus El Dandy versus Juventud Guerrero versus Viano 4 and Psychosis in the Pinata on a pole match. That was a famous one for its uh, 
sensitivity. Uh, Judy Bagwell on a pole match, yes, with Buff Bagwell and Chris Canyon. And number one, was it really not a syringe on a pole match? Oh, yes. Then we had, oh, yeah, the uh, the coal miner's glove, which also had a blow-up sex doll, a framed picture of Scott Hall, and the WCW World Heavyweight title in four separate boxes on poles that led to uh, Booker T winning. Well, listen, I could totally understand why you would think that there was a syringe on a pole match. I mean... Uh, they put pretty much anything that you could put up on a pole into a match. Um, so there may be somewhere, somewhere out there. Well, I feel someone's going to correct us on this. I know, I feel that the there was at some point, but nonetheless, Rollins finally made his way out. His music played, but he was able to come through the crowd to attack all of Gotham's finest. Attack Dean, powerbombed one dude over the top to all the other guys on the floor, hit a suicide dive to another guy, fought with Dean in the crowd. Dean got the advantage, dirty deeds on the floor. This was after he attacked Seth with the gas mask to the face. Yeah. I feel this is going to add some silly step at TLC. Like, I feel this was just too heavy handed with the gas mask to just uh, be one and done one week with it. Yeah. Gas mask match. Hmm. All right. Corey Graves asks Renee, what is going on? (laughs) And she says that you bring this up every week. I cannot say any more than what we've seen. And then says, no one is entitled to know what goes on behind closed doors with a husband and wife. How dare you? God, I wonder what the play is. I mean, they're making this into such a such a thing that for sure it's building to something. I'm almost afraid of wondering what. I mean, they're going out of their way. Like it's it's just hitting everyone over the head that this is obviously being done for a reason. Renee it's not ha- just I to mean, get Renee our enjoyment. Ha- Renee has to turn heel, right? You would think. Like what else could this be leading to? Maybe she's going to ask for a divorce. From Dean. Maybe she bought the gas mask. Oh. Maybe she's going to unmask as one and reveal her allegiance to Dean Ambrose. Yeah. Um, can you fit Renee in a, in a pole match somehow? <laughs> uh, it, could, it could happen. Listen, I mean, I'm if you sure. could get Judy onto a forklift... You Somebody could... tweet Vince Russo. I'm sure he's got a, uh, he's got a whole, like... Notebook full of ideas for this feud. All right, next up. God, this show just feels like it never ended. Charlie was with Nia Jax and Tamina. The news was broken on social media. Not the show I've been watching for the last two hours. I got to go somewhere else to find out this news. Ember Moon is going to be teaming with Ronda Rousey. Nia said she wanted Charlie to be Ronda's partner. She brought up eliminating Ember Moon at the Evolution Battle Royal and... Tamina has been attacking her from behind so that they don't have to see her face. But tonight they will see her face and therefore rearrange her appearance just like I did to Becky. And they're going to torture Rhonda and she's going to reclaim her title. And then she screamed, mine, so loud. The audio distorted. The face breaker was also the speaker breaker on my computer. This was just, I like jumped when I heard this. I was looking forward all like so long just to see if you would even attempt to recap it. The no, scream. 
I don't have that kind of disrespect for everyone's ears that are listening to this, but this was as painful a line being delivered as I can recall for just the sheer volume of it and the distortion that just blasted at me. The decibel level was insane. Yeah, I thought I thought it was a pretty ambitious demand on paper for, for somebody like Naya who isn't known for her acting ability. You're going to read these lines and then your last line, you're going to scream it, okay? And it's going to shock everybody. Listen, she's no Sid, okay? Sid has perfected the, the loud, quiet, loud. Naya maybe, um, yeah, you know, kind of has to work on it. But as a result, I would say at the end of this, it just kind of came across a bit more comical, a little cringeworthy, actually maybe a lot cringeworthy than probably what they had intended. He's Slater and Rhino, huge match. Loser gets fired. Heath Slater got away from the turnbuckle and hit a reverse neckbreaker and pinned him in a minute seven. And then they just cut away. Yeah, like that was that. Like like I said, this I think this was the match with the most weight attached to it of any of the matches on this show. You know, like Rhino and Heath Slater, two very beloved, I would still say beloved at this point, uh, characters on the show who have been completely neglected since they've been on Raw, since they've lost the tag team titles, really. Um, but then, you know, here, one of them fighting for, for their careers, which they made a whole gimmick out of this. They, like, they, they, they made a whole, like, two week. remember, like, a whole month of Heath Slater trying to get on SmackDown, um, because he wasn't drafted, right? Yes. Remember this, John? Like, the, yeah, it was back when people were into Heath Slater for a couple of minutes. Well, anytime Heath Slater actually does anything of note, I think he always gets over. So he clearly... Like, this team definitely, um, I feel, unfortunately, didn't really get their due, especially on Raw. Uh, but I still feel like this breakup could have been something. Uh, they, you know, I, I think they just probably did this because I don't know what's happening with Rhino. This might have been his last match. So, um, but it was just that. It felt rather un, un, unceremonious. And uh, I'm kind of disappointed we didn't even get that much follow-up from Rhino leaving here. I just took this as... You know, they're going to be doing, I think they're just trying to do all these actions to put as much heat on Baron Corbin that when he finally does not become the GM and you get a baby face back in power, that's when all this stuff is going to get reversed. And I think you, this is just trying to get all this heat on Baron Corbin. You really think Rhino's going to come back at this age? Like, I mean, he's barely on the shows as it is. So I, I kind of, I bought this as like a legitimate exit. I didn't take it like that. I mean, I, there there isn't much role for either of these two. They're obviously doing a storyline with Heath Slater. But, yeah, I kind of just read this that Rhino will get brought back at some point. So so he could do what? Uh, warm the bench. Yeah. Play video games. Yeah. No, there's a role for that. Mixed match challenge promos. Uh, yep, that's happening on Tuesday. Slater is backstage. Corbin congratulates him. Slater says Rhino has a family. Is there anything he can do? Corbin just laughs. And then he gives him a referee shirt because he's not being kept on as a wrestler. He's going to be a referee from now on. That's not so bad. Not bad. You're an employee. Yeah, you don't have to take bumps. Health care. Take it. It's a great job. Yeah. Jinder Mahal versus Finn Balor. Again. Uh, Mahal is in control through the commercial break. And then Finn Balor makes his return, goes to the top, is shoved off by Samir, 
And then Sunil and Samir started dancing together on the floor, and Apollo Crews showed up, attacked the Singh brothers. Mahal then nailed Crews with a head kick, just took him out. Balor hit a Topicon hero, running dropkick in the corner, coup de gras to pin Jinder. And I will say this, this late in the show, I was just done. And I thought it was a credit that Finn Balor got the audience into this at the end. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't without its challenges, though, you know, like seeing Finn Balor's like, like roster of talent that he has to kind of work with on this show um, between like Baron Corbin and Jinder. It's 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 always a challenge. Um, I think I thought it was nice to see Apollo in there. You know, I think him being thrown into the mix is I, I, he he and Balor are both in need of elevation. I think the pairing helps the both of them. They're both crowd. I can't say Apollo's a crowd favorite, but I think they're both they're both people that the audience wants would get behind with the right amount of push. They just need to not give up on them, both of them, you know, Balor and Apollo. So, um, the two of them as a tag team, I actually think would would do decently. But you know, we'll see when they give up on that. Balor was backstage with Charlie. Goes over all the guys he's pissed off tonight, and then Drew attacked him, knocked him out cold. And then was pulled off by the officials. He came back to continue his attack and brought him back to consciousness. So in a way, he kind of helped him. Um, With the secondary attack. I mean, he woke him up. I mean, I guess so. It's, it's probably not good for the brain. They promoted the sought-after free agent Lars Sullivan that Shane and Baron are busy trying to sign. And our main event, Ronda Rousey, Ember Moon against Nia Jax and Tamina. There was a sign in the crowd that read, Western women wrestlers suck. Joshis are better. Someone not happy with the women's wrestling scene here. Nia and Tamina jumped Ronda before Ember Moon even came out. So then Ember ran down, hit a code breaker to Jax, and then a sliding kick off the apron to Tamina. Cleared the ring, went through the break. We come back. Heels are now in control. Moon was in there for a long time. Tamina then accidentally knocked Nye off the apron. Inziguri was delivered by Ember and then tagged Ronda in, who fired up on Tamina and demanded that she tag in Nia. Nia tagged in, teased going at it with Ronda, but then tagged out to all these boos. And Ronda just goes to town, punching Tamina. She did this step up into a knee to Tamina's head, and I'll say that it grazed the head of Tamina. I might be generous by stating that i don't know if it's like i don't know if you can make contact on a move like that without legitimately hurting somebody Eh, maybe don't do that as a wrestling move then well i mean the shining wizard is hardly a a knee to the face you know it's more like the inside of the thigh touching the face yeah but there's contact this there was this was like i thought barely anything i thought this got a good reaction she hit a head kick to naya and then threw tamina Eclipse was hit to Tamina, and then Rousey went to apply the arm breaker, and she just holds the arm, and the place went nuts. They popped big for this tease, and then applied the arm breaker. Tamina taps out, and that was how the show ended. At least the baby faces stood tall here. I like the main event. I certainly thought it was a better match than last week. I thought, I'm trying to think what else on this show. This might have. This was probably my favorite match on the show. I think. And Ronda wrestling is still to me a spectacle. Um, I I think you know obviously she's a big celebrity, the biggest celebrity they have in the company at the moment. But um, 
I think a lot has to be said for her in-ring style. I think her in-ring style is is really fun to watch. Like she, her offense because it's so, uh, like it comes from her judo background. It looks so unique, completely different from any any wrestler out there. And to me, it all looks legitimate. Most of the, most of it looks legitimate. When she tries some of the crazy stuff, maybe like that knee, for instance, maybe it looks a bit more. Um, I don't know, made up. But for the most part, her stuff looks really good. And when she gets in there for a hot tag, like it's hot. So I I think she's a lot of fun to watch. And I enjoyed the match. I like her and Ember as a team. I hope, you know, very much like um Finn Balor and Apollo. Um, I hope um they, they do a lot more with Rhonda and Ember. I thought the match was alright. I I like building up to the hot tag for Rhonda. Uh it was fine. I wasn't uh over the moon with it. I didn't even plan to say that, but uh, the audience certainly got into it, especially by the end with the arm breaker. So um, yeah, it was on this episode of raw. This was better than most of the rest of the show. Yeah. I thought the main event was good. Uh, there's, you know, some decent segments. Um, I'm trying to scroll uh, through my head. I, like, I don't, I'm not even going to be that kind. I, I thought this was a terrible raw. I thought drew had cut some good promos. Um, you know, if I have to look for a positive, it's that at least Bailey and Sasha seem to have some type of direction. Whereas I feel like for the past six months, they've been completely aimless. Um, I, it's nice to see Apollo perhaps gain an association with Finn Balor. I think that helps with both of them. Um, but there's still, I think way too much negative on the show. All in all, it was like a lot of boring matches, a lot of just Baron Corbin as a heel GM, generic 19, late 1990s stuff that, uh, it's just, even if Corbin was like, even if it was Paul Heyman, okay? Even if, if Corbin could perform on the level of Paul Heyman, I think I would still grow him. But we're talking about Baron Corbin playing this role, which makes it even like a hundred times more aggravating. So, um, too much of that. I can't wait for this shit to end. And then the terrible Dean Ambrose promo. <laughs> Attention! Attention! That's how we shit on the whole show. All right. Well, that was raw. I thought it was awful. Let's go to our special Patreon poll. What did you think of raw tonight? 3% of you are out of your damn minds by giving this a thumbs up. 13% of you are way too nice by saying it was a thumbs in the middle show. 28% of you have a grasp and said thumbs down. And 57% of you are winners. You did not watch the show on Monday night. I mean, that really, I, I thought it was interesting for me to like, even just see the, that result to see how many people would vote, but not watch the show. And maybe this is skewed because normally I'm assuming people only vote. I would hope people are only voting if they've watched it. Um, we did get This is votes. interesting though. This is okay. It, not a huge sample size. We got 72 votes, but, but that's that. more. That, that's more than we, what we usually get. Yeah. But think about this. 57% of that number who subscribe to a, a paid wrestling service mm-hmm. are not watching Raw. Yeah. The flagship show, the, the most watched wrestling show in the world on a weekly basis, are not watching Raw and are spending money. Like, this is what I would consider a significant wrestling follower. If you are one of our patreons. Oh, uh, I think I think I mean, I feel like I would include myself in in the in in that group if if I wasn't do, doing this for a job now. 
I would continue to pay attention to the specials. You know, I would continue to to pay attention to your major pay-per-views if there are good matches on. And I like I think I would still hold like a curiosity about what was going on week to week in wrestling, but to sit down for 3 hours to watch every like segment of this show, this low quality show that has proven to be low quality for weeks and weeks now? No, of course not. I wouldn't do that. Why would I do that? But yet I I think I would still have a curiosity about wrestling because when it is good it's really good so i you know i would still like to know what was going on all right let's get into some feedback that people have left here we'll start with brandon from adelaide the site of the ufc card on saturday night slash sunday morning i rate the show barely better than last week way too much garbage from last week was recycled with the other segments being repetitive and boring for someone so conscious of the crowd carrying diseases dean didn't hesitate jumping over the barricade to flee to my surprise the crowd was still into the brawling between Seth and Dean. There is some hope this feud can be saved. I wouldn't mind if Dean keeps this look and creates a type of cult. It looks pretty cool. I also like the new direction for Ziggler. Raw is in desperate need for more baby faces and leads to more future matches between him and Drew. Everything else did not interest me in the slightest. It is becoming very hard to not switch the channel whenever Nia is featured. Two out of ten. Yeah. You know, and again, like... I do see Dean keeping that look, by the way. I think that the visual the of that is something they are going to keep, yes. Okay, sure. Uh, but, you know, like, for all we, like, I, there are a lot of people that uh, I think, like, more, we get more listeners for re- Rewind of Raw than Rewind of SmackDown, and that tells me there are probably more people watching Raw than SmackDown. Um, and, like, we've been very negative on these Raws because they've been really bad shows, but SmackDowns, for the most part, have been good. So, um, you know, I would say it's kind of a... Uh, like all these people, like not watching. If Smack, if the quality of SmackDown took place every Monday on Raw, I mean, I wonder if you would have an overall more positive, you know, uh, opinion of a professional of the WWE right now. Okay, we got Ari from Montreal who says, "Well, as many people said, this week was also garbage." I only have two questions. First, the Lucha House Party rules seem to me to make them heal. Would you agree? And second, would you see possibly adding Drew Gulak to the revival to even up the numbers? Well, the whole gimmick is that they are, <laughs> they are handicapped. Um, they are heels that always have the disadvantage. Um, so I don't on the same show where we set up the heels having a numbers advantage because yeah. that would be unfair. Yeah. So I don't see Drew Gulak getting the call up to join the revival, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, like. Technically, it would make them heels. But, I mean, the idea is that, like, you you should hate the Revival so much that you love to see them getting embarrassed. But I don't hate them that much. They really haven't done enough to make me hate them all that much. What if one of the Lucha House Party members got hurt and they brought up Drew Gulak and that was their babyface turn? Getting a third person and the numbers advantage. Is that how the new logic works? They would be babyfaces by having the numbers advantage, correct? Yes. Yes. Jason writes, loved the Dean segment tonight. I think he's doing a great job with the turn. I've always felt Dean lacked something in the attire department. So props to Renee for what I assumed is her picking up that awesome jacket for Dean. The fur. It was just the right shade of beard. I would have genuinely tried hard to pick pick it up in that crowd. I know you guys hate how Vince handles the Renee interaction aftermath with Graves and Cole. I assume you really hated tonight's, but I liked it. It feels WWE. One day, hopefully they take it. What does that mean? It feels very WWE. 
One day, hopefully, they can take advantage of whatever creative angle they choose with the two. Renee is really great, so I don't think there's need to worry, really. Will this horn now always accompany Dean? I feel this was their smell test. Vince, please, no. Do we not need this already with someone? Anyway, anyone else rewind the Nia Jax scream for Charlie's reaction? Scared my damn dog. Um, did not rewind that. Yeah, what he means by it feels WWE, maybe, you know. They do angles with their announcers. Um, maybe he feels like, you know, Gorilla and Heaton would have done this similar thing. <laughs> I'm not sure. We got Alex from Portland who says, Glad to see the Lucha House Party employ handicapped techniques and stay baby faces, but AOP do it and their heels. How is the writing staff for Raw where these two opposite yet same events happen? Dean Ambrose's character's direction stinks, but he looks cool with the gas mask on at least. Finally, my congrats to Tamina who just made evented Raw. Question Would you rather watch Raw next week, Raw or a Nitro from 2000? I would watch Raw next week. Because there's always the potential that it could be good. Hmm. Whereas Nitro, you know what you're getting. Yeah. A That's like from, saying, would you like to watch Raw from last week or a Nitro from 2000? Yeah. Would I watch a Raw from 2000 instead? Maybe I would pick that. Oh, Raw from 2000? Raw from yeah. 2000 was great. That would be an easy pick. Chase. Horrendous Raw again this week. How could WWE possibly book that? Everyone hates this Lucha House Party thing. I don't know. This, this is not one of my big complaints on Raw is these three-minute matches. I think they're the going to keep going with it until it gets over. You know, until this audience somehow just starts reacting to it. I don't even think the live audience hates it all that much. I think they get into the Lucha House Party just doing their stuff. And the Revival work really well with them. So, I don't know. I'm just... I understand the, the logic gap that is there but man on a show with this i'll I'll take it i'll definitely take it i mean i really do feel like it's contingent on like how how um how much the audience wants to see the heel get beaten up you know Mm -hmm. like if you like if you save that for like a celebrity spot for like a celebrity that everybody disliked like um pewdiepie you know who that is (laughs) yeah if you had the lucha house party versus pewdiepie i think the audience would would love that match logan paul Oh, sorry. Maybe that's who I mean. I don't know all that, all that stuff. Uh, they're both people that I think are disliked. So yeah. uh, he goes on to say, wasting Drew's first singles loss on Dolph only a month after Dolph lost clean to Shane McMahon is just laughable. A month ago, he was seen as disposable enough. That's a great point. The, <laughs> disposable enough to lose to a non-wrestler, and now they put him over as the most protected guy in the company. On a non-raw note, did you guys hear the news of WWE signing Jonah Rock? Do you think he could be... A good shot in the arm for his former TMDK partners in the Mighty if he was added to that act in NXT, considering they are floundering at the moment. I don't know if he would necessarily change their stock around or not. Um, yeah, he'll probably be on his own. Yeah, um, and certainly adds, I guess, fuel of you know where they're they're long-term plans are uh, for Australia as well. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that's not completely out of the realm of possibility that that's a part of the world that they are looking at. Yep. We got a Noah from Vaughn who says, I watched about half the show and then realized I wasn't enjoying it that much, so I turned it off and it seemed like a complete replay of last week's show. The highlight of Raw was the promo for SmackDown featuring the contract signing in this TV. Okay. Uh, 
let's go here to Mitch. Honestly, I just love Bliss, and that she is featured makes me pause and watch more segments. The Revival and Lucha House Party feel like a very NXT feud. Can't believe I'm saying this, but if Jason Jordan came back to feud with Corbin to avenge Kurt's lost position, I'd support that storyline. Otherwise, Corbin is an utter waste of an overplayed rule. Well, Jason Jordan, there are many questions if he'll ever come back, so I I don't think that's anything, at least at the forefront at the moment. Uh, Maybe he is going to eventually be cleared, but that doesn't look to be like something that is... Uh, At all, all, a certainty. What's his injury again? Yeah, he had neck surgery. Oh, man. Yeah, I haven't heard a whole lot about him. And this Alexa injury seems to be pretty serious, too. Well, I mean, Alexa's at least been working out at the Performance Center. And I think that more so than anything, I don't think they're in a rush necessarily to... I think they want to keep her in this role as well. Mm -hmm. So um, the fact that she's been working out a bit at the Performance Center suggests that... You know, she's probably okay, or at least on the road to recovery, but it's also concerning that she's had a couple concussions, and she is someone that, this is a role that she could do, um, and doesn't have to be wrestling every week either. Yeah. Andrew from Cape Breton, so I wanted to get some last minute feedback in before bed. My girlfriend asked, what are you typing? And I said, feedback for a podcast. She said I was weird. It's for that post-wrestling show that you've heard before. And she reacted like way to a bad pun from John. <laughs> the show was okay. It was better than last week's show, but that's I not like that. Saying... He continued on <laughs> into my feedback. Yeah. But that's not saying a whole lot. I was thinking about the Lucha House Party specifically. Yes. The whole idea of handicap matches seems weird, but WWE treats their pure baby faces like complete idiots. It's almost refreshing to see baby faces trying to outsmart the system and gain an advantage. It's kind of like how in politics people do messed up things so that they can say the ends justify the means. Speaking of which, is it just me or does the Baron Corbin angle seem like an allegory to the current Trump administration? Um, I think... By going through that is, um, you know, the whole you're either with Corbin or against it. I mean, it's very easy to, I guess, make your connection there. If I mean, but that would, that, that would suggest a, a self-awareness that they see uh, Donald Trump as the heel. Right. Well, maybe Baron Corbin's a babyface. We just don't know it. That's right. Yes. All right. Let's do one more here. We have Jay from Colorado. Either the writers have complete faith that the audience will never recognize the Cruiserweight division, or we just saw half the Cruiserweights align with Dean Ambrose. They even spent a few seconds focusing up close on Cedric Alexander, like we wouldn't know who that was with that haircut. That's high school theater level right there. I didn't realize that. I didn't notice that either. So, yeah, I guess they they pulled one over on it. Yeah. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they should be part of the ankle. Just Dean Ambrose just gathers all the 205 Live guys against Seth Rollins. Sure. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but there has there ever been any other NXT star who has had the pre-debut push that Lars Sullivan has had? Good Lord, they have lots of faith in this guy. I'm guessing the plans for SummerSlam 2019 will be Braun versus Lars, then with a setup at the Rumble. Um, Did you guys notice the empty seats during Dean's uh, segment? Also want to break some bad news for you guys. If you haven't heard, American Vandal Season 3 was canceled by Netflix. I was really pulling for an extended universe with an Infinity War. Now, I assumed American Vandal wasn't coming back for a third season. I'm I'm assuming no Netflix shows are coming back at this point. I think Netflix just canceled Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, what am I? What are people? What are they going to still have on? Oh, man, they're probably going to cancel Terrace House. I'm going to be so disappointed. 
so many of these series, though, they're all going to end up on other places, I feel. It's just, it's, it's just going to be a lot more fractured that if you want to follow these series, it's going to require getting other services. I, th- I think all of these series are going to land elsewhere, whether it's the new uh, Disney streaming service that I think is going to land many of these series that are getting dumped. It's true, but I mean, in the case of something like a Daredevil... I mean, I, I do have my doubts that this current incarnation with this cast will, will be surviving because it is Disney, you know, and the tone yep. of the show is such an R-rated show. So, um, you know, let's uh, mm-hmm. pay uh, In terms of someone that's been pushed this hard coming up from NXT, I'm trying to think who they uh, put this much stock behind. Like, obviously, I mean, the, the, the Wyatts. The Wyatts. Like, the, those vignettes. Yeah. You know, the Shield didn't get the vignette treatment, but they were certainly pushed as a major, major act uh, coming up. I suppose, like, you, you know, there's having vignettes and there's having, like, supposedly, you know, a bidding war for, for, for uh, mm-hmm. a talent. And I'm trying to think who they would have had bidding war for. How do you think they introduced Lars Sullivan? Um, I think it'll... Be on a maybe it'll be on a pay per view. I think it could it. be at TLC. Uh, yeah, it could be. I mean, although they, I feel like they should announce it relatively soon. And then you obviously have Shane and Steph in the ring trying to buy for him, and uh, he attacks somebody. Yes. Um, who would you pair him up with first? I would. I would align him with Daniel Bryan as his muscle, and that's AJ's uh. spinoff spinoff feud. That's interesting, but I mean, I feel like that kind of diminishes both both guys, don't you? You know, like Brian's kind of got his own thing right now. What is he just going to turn into a mouthpiece for? I think that they'd have a good dynamic together, those two. I just think it would work. Um, Mm. That that was the first idea I had for him. This is not something I've I've heard, but yeah, that that that's one idea. Hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because AJ's going to need something uh, after this Brian match, and that to me is someone that is that they'll be confident can get a really good match out of Lars Sullivan, who is going to need that. And they have very, very high hopes for Lars Sullivan. Right, yeah. Although I almost, yeah, I wonder, because I feel like AJ versus Lars is it should be a big match. And I almost feel like, you know... It's a test for AJ, certainly. It might, it might even have to be, like, his ultimate destination rather than, you know, first first opponent. Yeah. But... I'm I'm curious to see how they push him. Clearly, you know, they're they're spending a lot of time working on it. So I imagine they'll have their best material and they won't have Lars Sullivan um do an open forum. Let's hope not. Let us hope not. That brings an end to Rewind to Raw. We hope you have all uh, enjoyed at least our recap of Raw. We'll be back on Tuesday night. We've got Rewind to SmackDown where we'll go through that show. Way will take us through the Mixed Match Challenge as we are down to two episodes remaining until the big finals at TLC. Are you excited, Way? Yeah. That's, that sounds wonderful. All right. Thank you to everybody uh, for listening to our shows. You can always get the latest news, podcasts, all of the links, our voting, everything. Your hub is postwrestling.com if you would like to join. Postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, we're going to have Three bonus shows this week, uh, plus the Cafe Hangout. What yeah. a what a great deal. Yeah, check it out if you want. If you don't want to, that's fine too. Listen, check out as much as you want. Perfect. That's, that's how we can fit that onto the t-shirt. If you want it, cool. If not, eh. All yeah. right, Tuesday night, we'll be back. So long.
Hey, this is Colt Cabana. I've been wrestling on the independent wrestling scene for the past 20 years, from the gathering of the Juggalos to the border towns in Mexico. My podcast is The Art of Wrestling, and each week I document my adventures. We're in Winchow, which is about an hour outside of Shanghai by flight. So the sumo hall, the whole bottom is like where they watch sumo wrestling. The ring is in the middle, so there's chairs there, and then the whole there's a whole top tier too, right? Yeah. I'm coming up on 18 years of independent professional wrestling and nothing but. And to see it get to this level, I've got goosebumps like three times during the show. As a guy who had a, a snake his whole career, do you feel akin to like the animals here and stuff? Just a freak show part of it. There you go. Yeah. We're on a boat in the middle of nowhere and this thing came flapping in and it was like in slow motion. It just crashed. It, was it crashed into the front row. Hear a new documentary every week about the weird world of pro wrestling, the art of wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts or colcabana.com.